All right, Alexander, let's do an update on the situation in Sudan. A lot of uh, embassy staff from various countries have been evacuated. And we've kind of been on again, off again with some sort of pause in the hostilities. What is the latest from Sudan? I get the impression that the war is escalating. I don't think there's any real sign that the two sides are finding any kind of common ground with each other. I, my own sense is you get these occasional ceasefires. Remember, this is a time of you know uh, religious peace in the Islamic world, and of course, Sudan is a Islamic country. It's, it's, I, I mean, I'm not an expert on Islamic things, but I understand it's Ramadan, the Feast of Id, all of these things. So, you know, it shouldn't be a case of violence. So that probably explains some of these ceasefires that are taking place. But overall, I get the sense that the war is intensifying. And I think um, it's clear that though this conflict has had some very important internal drivers, uh, you know, that the Sudanese army and the Sudanese militia are both obviously have, have their own agency. It's also now increasingly clear that outside powers are becoming increasingly involved. With the most important of these, in kinetic terms, in immediate terms, being Egypt. Now, Egypt, of course, is the big country to the north. It's had millennial history of connection to Sudan. I mean, you know, going all the way back to the time of the pharaohs. And... Um, what we're now seeing is that the Egyptian government is strongly supporting the Sudanese army, and there's now some clear pattern of evidence that it is taking an active role, the Egyptian army is taking some kind of active role on behalf of the Sudanese army in the war. There's reports that the Egyptian Air Force has carried out airstrikes, for example, on militia positions. I can't obviously confirm the whole details of that, but the, re the reports are cumulative and they're becoming convincing. And as you rightly say, there's been a mass evacuation of embassy personnel, and specifically US embassy personnel, but others as well from Khartoum, the Sudanese capital. And the fact that the um, various governments are now evacuating their staffs from Khartoum is a sure sign that they expect the situation to deteriorate. So it seems to me we're headlong moving towards civil war. A tragedy for this country, which since it achieved independence from Britain, has never fully known peace. All right, so you mentioned the outside forces, one of them being Egypt. What other outside forces are well, involved in this? Of course, a lot of people talk about the United States and what it's been up to in Sudan over the past year, given the the announcement that Russia would, would have some sort of military base or presence in Sudan. So there's a lot of talk about U.S. involvement in order to, to push back against Russia or possibly Chinese uh, influence in Sudan and the region in general. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll come back to the U.S. and its role in this conflict in a moment. But, you know, we, we do have other actors. We do have other outside players. It seems that Saudi Arabia and some of the Gulf states, in contrast to Egypt 
um, these, these other countries, Saudi Arabia, have had more connections with the militia. And I'm not saying that they're exactly backing the militia in this conflict, probably not as openly as Egypt is backing the Sudanese military, but it does seem that they are involved at some level, both in the crisis that has led up to this conflict and also um, perhaps in what is the way this crisis is working its way out. But the big intrigue is the US. Now, um, I should say that I've had a, a lot of pushback from some people. <laughs> I don't want to be specific because these are private messages. Uh, when I said that, you know, I thought that the US probably or very likely had a role in this conflict, um, that it was extremely concerned about the fact that the, the Russians had negotiated with the Sudanese military the setting up of a naval base on the Red Sea. And that I thought it was quite likely that this conflict, that the trigger to this conflict might very well have been US opposition to this naval base and that the US might have worked to exacerbate the tensions within Sudan and perhaps encourage the militia to try to launch some kind of a coup in Khartoum, perhaps underestimating the extent to which the Sudanese military would hold together. Now, I say I've had a lot of comeback from this. People have been saying that I've misunderstood the processes, that there are a long history of divisions in Sudan, that this affair has its origins in tensions that have existed within Sudan ever since the conflicts in South Sudan and in Darfur. And I accept all of that. I, you know, I don't dispute, as I said, that these parties, these internal parties, have their own reasons for conflict. I don't think that is in itself enough to just come out and say that the United States wasn't involved. Because what invariably happens, this is the pattern I have consistently noticed, is that for the United States to create a situation like this, it already needs divisions within a particular society. So the United States doesn't want this Russian naval base. It is inevitably going to be talking to the various parties. It has been talking to the Sudanese army, partly, I am sure, to get it to trying to persuade it to change its stance on this. It's also been talking to the Sudanese militia. And note that the militia is a para-state organisation. I question whether the US really ought to have been openly in contact with it, and we now know that it was. So I, I'm sure that the question of this naval base was brought up. I'm sure that the United States was involved. And there's one thing that, to my mind, makes the case all but conclusively, is that we've now found out what an enormous embassy the United States had in Khartoum. I mean, I got information about this in private emails, but Larry Johnson on Sonar 21 has come out and confirmed as much in public. We're talking about at least, uh, you know, a core staff of about 70 people. For comparison, 
that's about the same size as the core staff of the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Now, that tells you huge amount of interest in Sudan on the part of the United States. Speculation as to what this is all about. Maybe it has some connection with the fighting in Yemen across the Red Sea. But I can't help but think that concerns about the naval base and attempts to try to engineer political change within Sudan itself must have been the single most important cause. So I think what's happened is, you know, that there's been some conflicts within Sudan. The United States has played a role. It probably hasn't understood the dynamics very well. And instead of getting some kind of change of policy or perhaps a change of regime in Sudan, what they found is that the whole thing's exploded into a civil war. And they're doing what they always do in these situations. They're blaming someone else, in this case the Russians, who I am sure, by the way, are not involved. Well, what are they blaming the Russians for, exactly? Yeah. I mean, I mean they're not exactly... Outside so, of the base. I know. I know. Well, well, well let, Russia I mean, hasn't again, really... Again, I mean, the whole thing doesn't be, make a great deal of sense. And in fact, there's been a good taking a part of this whole thing, again, by Larry Johnson. But just briefly to say, what they're doing is they're highlighting the fact that the Wagner organisation was involved in Sudan and supposedly it had some kind of connections historically in the past with the militia. And they're sort of trying to imply that the Wagner organisation and through it Russia in some way have provoked this conflict. Now, that is an absurd idea, and already you've pointed to the fundamental problems. The Russians have got an agreement to establish a naval base on the Red Sea. They've been working to achieve this objective for years. Why would they start a conflict in Sudan on you know, directly after they've got that agreement for the naval base signed and sealed. It doesn't make any kind of sense. And the head of the Wagner organization in Russia, Prigozhin, has said that his organization has nothing to do with this conflict, that there are no Wagner operatives in Sudan anymore, that the connection with the militia is old and historic and no longer extant. And, you know, he's basically denied this whole thing. And I'm sure he's right. I'm sure, as I said, it makes it's makes no sense at all. And I'm sure that the Russians weren't involved. They would want to keep things in Sudan stable, not have the country plunge into war. Right. OK, so uh, where do you think we're heading towards uh, with this? I mean... The, uh, the the military, the the government military, about a week or two ago, they they seem to have had the, the upper hand in the fighting. That's yes. how it looked. It looked yes. like they were they they were in control of of what was going on. Has that changed or? I suspect it hasn't. I mean, first of all, to understand, Sudan is an enormous country, and you know, very very diverse. It's all sorts of places, lots of bases, and different parts of you know Sudan. Now my my understanding is that if we're talking about the capital Khartoum, the militia were quite successful there in the initial fighting. 
Al Jazeera at one time was saying that they were able to capture 90% of Khartoum. Uh, by contrast, the Sudanese military seemed to have prevailed in most of the other places where fighting has taken place. And of course, it looks as if they have the backing of Egypt and that the Egyptian military might be involved. So I think it's going to take time, because as I said, this is a big country, but I suspect oh, in time the Sudanese military will basically close in on Khartoum. And at some point in the next few weeks, they'll move there and they'll probably try to re-establish control. All of this assumes that the Sudanese military holds together. And there was one report that a Sudanese division from the Sudanese army had defected to the militia. Though there are also other reports, perhaps better confirmed reports, that a militia unit had defected to the Sudanese army. So it's a complicated situation. But if the army, I think, holds together with the backing of Egypt, I think it will prevail. Yeah. The key is uh, the backing of Egypt. Yeah, okay. Uh, anything else about well, this story? I, I, should I we just, wrap it up? I just want to say quickly again, this is a tragedy for Sudan. I mean, you know, it's a country that ought to have, you know, a prosperous future. It's got an extraordinary history behind it. Um, it, it, it was to some extent cobbled together by the British as part of their empire. I mean, they expanded their influence from Egypt down into Sudan. If you follow British imperial history, you'll know lots of things that happened, Gordon of Khartoum and all of that. Um, but since independence, it's never really managed to stabilise as a country. And... Many hoped, that, many thought that after the loss of South Sudan, with the rest of Sudan becoming much more homogeneous, that would cause some degree of stabilisation, but it hadn't. My one hope is that this is really an aftershock from those earlier civil wars. Perhaps once it's resolved, we will finally have some peace in Sudan. Certainly, I hope so. But, you know, in the meantime, it's a tragedy for the country. And one does hope that it ends soon. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll uh, leave it there. TheDuran.Locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, and Rockfin, and Telegram as well. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.